Well, thanks again to both our children for leading us and for our children and worship teachers and helpers for blessing us this morning with bringing our kids forward to lead us in song. As we turn our attention to Scripture for our season of Lent, traveling through the Gospel of Luke, I invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. We'll spend both this week and next week in Luke chapter 13, Um, and today we begin with both an interaction that the crowds have with Jesus, followed by a parable um, that Jesus tells. And sometimes the parables um, we can apply in all kinds of different ways. They are, are multivalent, meaning there's different ways we can understand and apply them. But what's helpful is to know is that this parable about a fig tree, a garden owner and a gardener. Um, comes directly out of Jesus' conversation at the beginning of the chapter. And so as we come to um, this point in the Gospel of Luke, as we go through the season of Lent, of repentance that leads to redemption. Repentance doesn't leave us in a place of ongoing shame. Repentance leads us towards redemption and hope. And today, Jesus will repeat twice, unless you repent, you too will all perish. This is repentance, but there, even in the parable then, there's also this this direction and hope and space left as we pursue redemption. So as we study God's word together, as we listen for the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding, let's pray together for God's blessing upon the word. God, as we pray that you may be in our thinking, in our speaking, and in our loving, May your word speak to us fresh this morning through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you may speak to us what we need to hear most, that you may challenge us in the ways that we need to be challenged, encourage us in the ways in which we need encouragement. Lord, as we come to your word, speak clearly to us through the power of your Spirit that your priorities for our lives may be the priorities that we live into. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans, Because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. 
and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's sermon title is, is Figment of Repentance. And that's fitting not only because I couldn't pass up a good pun, but also because the way we usually use the word figment, almost never by itself, we're always talking about a figment of your imagination. I have a three-year-old. There's a lot of figments of imagination that actively live in our household. But we usually talk about figment of our imagination as something that isn't real, isn't realistic to expect, and can't actually be counted on. In the same way, Jesus tells this parable about figs. To to get at something a little bit deeper with the crowd that he's interacting with. And it's that they might have a, not a figment of their imagination, but a figment of what repentance is and can be. A a figment, a, a false idea of repentance. Maybe they come with the the figment of their own imaginative repentance, thinking that things can change even if we don't do anything. That maybe our relationship with God will get better even if we don't do anything. That the injustice in the world, if we turn away long enough, will fix itself. Or that we will gain clarity about who we are and who God has called us to be by not paying attention at all. It's a figment of our imagination, and it's a figment of an idea of repentance that Jesus is trying to address with this parable. But but it doesn't start in the same way that John the Baptist starts his ministry of calling everyone to repent with some urgency for the kingdom of God is near. Jesus continues to call people to repent. But the place that this parable starts at is a projection that people have. That there was these people talking who were present with Jesus who told them about, who told Jesus about this horrific event. That, that Pontius Pilate, who we always pay attention to Pilate at the, the trial and crucifixion of Jesus, it is Pilate who will wash his hands of this whole event. But Pilate is already in the region. And Pilate, although he does show some restraint and disinterest and has some interesting conversations with Jesus that we'll get to later in Lent, Pilate is not a particularly nice person. And the event that that is being referred to for Jesus is that there were some Galileans who not too long before this had actually revolted. They had risen up against Rome. And Pilate, to protect the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, Pilate has made an example of a few of those revolting Galileans by probably, although not certainly, certainly blood has been used, has probably killed a few of these Galileans when they've come to Jerusalem to worship to make a point to them, saying, no more revolts, I'm not playing games, I will bring stability even to the hill country that you live in and hide in. I'm going to put my fist down and protect the peace of Rome. 
It's not so much the cruelty of Pilate that surprises these people. It's not with really all that much sympathy towards the Galileans either. What Jesus is getting out of this conversation, what Jesus responds to, is he says, do you think that they, the ones who died this way, whose blood was mixed in with their sacrifices, do you think that they were worse sinners than all of the other Galileans because they suffered this way? Do you think that God was using Pilate to punish them, that there's this singular cause and effect? It's actually a little bit of judgment for their own for their own relatives, the Galileans, that Jesus is teasing out in this parable. It's as if to hide behind, do you hear about those Galileans who are pretty bad? Instead of to wonder, what about my life? What about my heart? What about areas in my life that I'm not repentant of? One thing that Pastor Audrey and I will talk about in the multi-purpose room today in the table talk is the difference between sin when we say, that just wasn't me, I don't know where that came from, versus the, the patterns of habitual disobedience, that they're just part of who we are. That's what Jesus is getting at with, with those who are talking about those Galileans. And then he continues the example to repeat again the phrase, unless you repent, you too will perish. Do you think they were worse sinners? I tell you, no. And he mentions the 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? No. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Now, Siloam, you might, you might remember that in the Gospel of John, the, the, the pool of Siloam is mentioned. Jesus, after healing someone, tells them to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And there was a tower over it. And the tower fell. Not much other detail we have on that, but it fell. And as Jesus relates it, 18 people died. And we want to make meaning of that. We want to say there must have been something, those 18 people must have got what was coming to them. And Jesus' forward answer, I tell you, no. Let's not worry about, I wonder what they did to deserve that. And instead, in this season of Lent, when we seek to reach in, to ask, unless you repent, you too will all perish. Now, these are harsh words. And these are specifically harsh words directed at, at Jesus' fellow Jews. And that gets teased out in the parable in a subtle way. That the first line of the parable is that we're told, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. Now, vineyards, branches, vines, grapes. Figs, Trees, branches, roots. I said branches in both spots. Sorry about that. Vineyards are for vines. But the fig tree is there, and this was actually not uncommon. Um, and the reason you would put a fig tree, because it's a precious tree, it's one that matters, its fruit is good and valuable. The reason that you'd put it in your vineyard is so that it would get the best care that it would have a privileged spot to be noticed, to be attended to, and there it should do better than anywhere else. And, and Jesus is, is teasing out ever so subtly that some of the people in this audience would have caught that he was talking about them, saying, you were God's chosen people. You were given the gift of the covenant. You were given the law to, to live into God's covenant promises with and for. You had the best spot in the vineyard. Now, 
But that doesn't mean that just because you can claim that you're a chosen people, that doesn't mean because, because of where you worship or where you were born that you can say, clearly my life is bearing good fruit. So he tells the parable about this fig tree that's in a vineyard where it should be getting the best care, where it should be blossoming and productive, and it simply isn't. And the people talking to Jesus might pick up that this point, Jesus is not going to let them not worry about their sin by judging other people's sins. Jesus is not going to let them say, but we are God's chosen people, therefore X, Y, or Z doesn't matter. This is a theme for Jesus. And it's a theme that, that we as the church should also carry in and forward. That when Jesus heals a man born blind in John chapter 9, the first question his disciples ask, as he went along, they're traveling, Jesus saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? He was born blind, That's, there's something wrong here. Who sinned? Who deserved it? Who earned it? Who messed up? Jesus is trying to get us to think a little bit less about how we can project meaning, how we can play God, and a little bit more on saying, you too also need to take a time for repentance, which is to take time for self-examination, to borrow the language of the psalmist to say, see if there is any unrighteous way within me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so he tells the parable of the fig, this fig tree. And I also just think that throughout Scripture, it's worth noting that figs are always very significant. Uh, they, they matter. They're, they're never mentioned arbitrarily. They're mentioned 65 times total throughout Scripture. And often they're used in prophecies as the type of tree that your, your figs will no longer bear fruit or they will fall to the ground and spoil, or a sign of prosperity, that your, fig, your harvest of figs will be abundance. Jesus himself seems to have some issues with fig trees. In Matthew 21 and Mark 11, Jesus walks up to a fig tree, there's no figs on it, and he curses it and it withers. Jesus has some interesting history with figs. And I do wonder a little bit more about what that's all about. But here in Luke 13, we simply have an impatient garden vineyard owner, someone who owns enough property that there's hired hands taking care of his vineyards. And a, vine and a gardener, and I would say gardener in any case, whether it be a place for trees or whether it be a garden full of vines, a gardener who's taking care of everything, and there's two pitfalls of the human condition that Jesus addresses in this parable, remembering that this is all tied back to repentance. This is all tied back to, to wanting to worry about others and not about ourselves. The two pitfalls of the human condition that, that this parable is trying to address is, one, the garden owner's immediate overkill reaction. No patience a lack of peace, no trust that anything's going to happen, and sees that this tree has not been bearing fruit, get it out of here. It's almost as if say, that it, why should it keep using up the soil? Why should it keep wasting space? It's worthless, it's good for nothing. Now, three years would not be uncommon for a fig tree to still have not borne good fruit. Um, it generally takes a long time for this to happen, 
And apparently there is a, a, a great book, I'm, I haven't read it, uh, because the title is Sporzucker in Bischbelsi Landen. It's uh, written in German by Dr. H. Mulder, who studied all the different plants mentioned in Scripture in the Holy Lands. I don't know why commentators give us these helpful clues, because I'm not going to read the book in German. But he does say, Dr. H. Mulder, who knows a lot about Sporzuckers in Bischbelsi Landen, does say it wouldn't be uncommon for it to take three years or so for a fig tree to bear fruit that you could actually eat. The gardener has no patience for this. I wonder if sometimes we hide what's really going on with us because we're worried that God or our neighbor will not have the patience either. That if we share perhaps some weakness, some faults, that we expect the reaction of this garden owner to say, why is that waste of space still here? There's no opportunity for repentance or for redemption in that scenario. And just to be reminded, people of God, that God's love for us makes space for repentance that leads to redemption, not for a continuous cycle of of guilt that leads to shame, but guilt that leads to conviction, that leads to change. And that's why the gardener is the wise one in this parable, playing the role not, not of um, what I would call um, paralysis by analysis, not sitting back forever and just, well, I hope, that, I hope that fig tree does better next year, and doing nothing, in the same way that, that we wouldn't sit back and think that everything about our relationship with our spouse will change if we don't talk to them, or that our relationship with our coworkers will change if we don't change how we maybe show up. But rather, the, the gardener puts up a little bit of a defense for this tree. The gardener intercedes to the garden owner on the tree's behalf. Not to say, just wait and see with no plan, to see if next year we'll come to this and, oh, it's still not bearing fruit, we'll give it another year. Not to let things indefinitely go on and on and on, but creates a pretty simple action plan. Leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and I'll fertilize it. And if it does bear fruit, ha-ha, ta-da, fine. But if not, then cut it down. That kind of gardening mentality is something we need in the church. Churches are known and often caricatured for just keep, we keep doing things because we've always done them, not even really wondering if we're bearing fruit. And other times, in our reactive culture right now, we're really quick to say, get that waste of space out of the way. It's two different lived realities, but it's one singular truth that Jesus is getting at. It's getting at What's harder for you to do? To let go of something and to get rid of it and to move on? Or to take time to take care of it? To see if it will grow? The two different realities of death by inaction or death by drastic action comes down to the same thing. Nothing will change if you don't do something differently. And so this gardener suggests that he'll get a shovel and dig around the roots and aerate the soil and make some space for growth. 
And that if plants could have a pain response and say, ouch, digging around their roots is the exact type of thing that would cause plants to say, ouch, that hurts. Because Jesus isn't saying that our time of repentance is always pleasant or always fun. It's not fun to look into the depths of our soul to face some of the wounds that we have or to get really honest or to ask other people about how they experience us. That can cause our souls to go, ouch, just a little bit. And Jesus isn't saying, grab a shovel and start poking around at other people's roots. Jesus keeps saying, you too will perish if you don't repent. Dig up your own roots a little bit. And then, not just to dig things up, not just to cause pain, but also to fertilize. Now, this is my favorite type of shovel. A good old grain scoop is hard to beat. But you know that where I come from, the farm that I came from, we use these for grain and for that pink fuzz that comes out of the dryer just to scoop that away. Um, now, some of you know what this is also used for. It, it's just called a scoop shovel. It doesn't say what you're scooping. And in this parable, we're talking about manure. We are talking about poop. We're talking about fertilizer. And we're talking about a big, stinky mess and taking a big old scoop of it and giving that to the tree. This is not always a pleasant process either. But Jesus is being really honest that we need both. In a tale of two shovels, we need each. We need those times where we get really clear and honest and we dig up a little bit. We ask tough questions and we ask other people tough questions about how they experience us. We get real with God and give up all the different ways in which we might try to hide or cover up or pretend harder or bury deeper. We do that. We also fertilize. We also pray, not out of obligation. We spend time in God's Word out of devotion, but also hopefully to continue to know God's great love for us. It's a both and. It's not drastic action that we're not even going to give this thing a chance or give it a shot, and neither is it death by inaction or paralysis by analysis of just keep watching and waiting for it to go. Now, holding that this was told in the context of repentance as Jesus first said it, doesn't rule out the different ways that the parable might speak to our lives. That tree might be something that you do. It might be a role that you play. A tree might be a job that you have, a relationship that you're in, an endeavor that you've set out on, whether business or pleasure, a hobby that you're enjoying, or a program that you run or volunteer in. The tree might be any of those things. And we might expect a certain type of fruit. And it might not be giving us exactly what we wanted. Or we might just be saying, this is a little bit harder than we thought. Wouldn't it be easier just to cut it down, throw it away, be done with it, and move on? But do we do that without first trying to work with it and fertilize it? I don't know what life decisions that each one of us has in front of us this week. 
But Jesus is addressing those two pitfalls of human nature. This immediate overkill or death by inaction. And so maybe it's things here too that we experience that we're ready to hang it up and say, that's not working for me, I'm all done. And the question that the parable would ask is not just what might be wrong with everything else or everyone else, but, okay, what about me? And it's not the year that somehow the year is the magic part of the parable because the year is just giving the fig tree a whole year. But it might be, okay, I'm going to give this one more shot, but not just one more shot, staying it all the way it is, to say, I'll just see how this plays out. Because then what we're really doing is we're just waiting to have it confirmed that if we keep doing the same things we're doing, we'll get the results we've always gotten. The question with the parable is, okay, if we give this another season, if I give this one extension of a commitment, what am I going to do differently and see what changes? That could be a relationship that you've had a hard time with for a long time. To say, what am I going to try differently? Not just try to cut somebody out, or to say, you know what, let's just keep going through these motions. There's any number of things, but a good starting point is to say, what do you just want to not do? What's hardest for you to do? Because there is a time that even the gardener says, if it's not working, if we try our action steps and it's not working, it's done. We're moving on. But maybe we need to try something different first. Lent is a good time to ask what the hardest thing for you to do is. Is it hardest to give something up and to say, I'm drawing a line, I'm moving on? Or is it harder for you to come back and, well, give it another shot? The parable doesn't actually conclude of what happened. And there's good reason for that. Jesus neither wanted us to take an optimism of seeing, see, it always works if you give it one more year. We'll get it right this time. Nor a pessimism of, see, it didn't work. Jesus leaves the parable open-ended. See what happens next year. If we try something differently, if we dig some things up, if we fertilize some things, if we try it a little bit differently next year and see what happens, see what's different, we'll give it a shot. We don't know what it'll be. But one thing, if we keep doing the things that we've always done, we'll keep getting what we've always gotten. And as my father is very fond of saying, a rut is a grave with the ends knocked out. That's not original to him, but you get the idea. A rut is a grave with the ends knocked out. Do we fill it in or do we try something on a little bit different? That's what we'll be discussing downstairs as well. And in the polarization of our world right now, there are times where we do just want to cut people off or cut them out. It's a little bit harder to get up close, to dig in, to fertilize. But one thing is also true, it's hard to hate someone up close when we've dug in a little bit further. Whatever it is for you, that is up to you and God. Whether it's a rut or whether it's something different. But let's hold all of us up in this season of Lent. That throughout this season is the time
to simply ask, what changes could I make? What am I just letting play out? What needs more time and attention? And tie that all back to the original intent of the parable was to say, don't worry about what other people need to do. Start with the fig tree in your vineyard. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray.